companies. And there was one startup company out of Seattle that was interesting to me. And they sent over some representatives into the campus there. A fellow named Steve Ballmer interviewed me first. Another guy named Paul Allen came out and I bonded with, with Paul. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Menzione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders in this forum to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Menzione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzione, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you achieve your greatest business results by unlocking the leadership principles, best practices, and learnings of the best in the business to help you get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your desired results during this time of intense transformation. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Raymond Biley, CEO and founder of Bright Arrow Technologies. I got to know Raymond while I was running the partner organization at Blackboard, and Bright Arrow was a rising star partner of the year. Bright Arrow has been at the center of the digital transformation happening in K-12 education and learning, as its solutions have been used for notification and are now being deployed in many new use cases since the pandemic. I invited Raymond to share his rich and fascinating story, how Bright Arrow partners with other technology organizations to deliver a complete solution to customers, and why customers and partners choose to work with Bright Arrow. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed spending time with Raymond Biley. Raymond, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Vince. It's great to be here today. It is so great to have you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You're the CEO and founder of Bright Arrow. And you and I have had the opportunity to work together, both while I was at Blackboard and now. So welcome. Thank you. So for our listeners who might not know about Bright Arrow, would you mind telling us a little bit about the company and its focus? Bright Arrow is a software company that's focused on person-to-person communication. The idea is that we're using technology to allow somebody to get messages out to other folks in a variety of ways. We can we can do automated voice calls and text messages and emails and social media posts and push notifications. And just one step and you can get your message out to whoever you need to immediately in whatever forms are appropriate for them. And we do that for many types of customers. Our probably our our most common use is for schools, for K-12 schools, because there are many, many points of communication that they need to happen. But we're a technology company that builds all the pieces and delivers it for that purpose. And so when I think of K-12 schools, I think about schools out. That's my thinking about the world, but tell us more about how that's used. Sure. Well, how it was used before the pandemic and after the pandemic, that's changed. But before the pandemic, the, the system was used for certainly emergencies, you know, lockdowns and evacuations and those types of emergencies where you need to reach out to parents and staff instantly. Our system does that. It's it's commonly used for purposes like attendance. If you're if a student does not show up to school, it's important that parents know for safety reasons, you know, in addition to truancy reasons. And so our system does that, you know, meal balance calls. Most of our customers have principals who send out messages on a weekly basis just to kind of let everybody know what's going on. So it's really important for engaging parents and for involving 
teachers and staff and reminding them of things. It's just most of our customers use it every single day for a wide, wide variety of purposes. And you mentioned COVID. So how has it changed since? Oh, the, the usage of our system has probably tripled since March wow. of last year. Wow. And there are so many new ways that people are using it. First of all, there's this constant decision process. Even though it's over a year later, there are still constant decisions being made. And we, we're getting customers calling. They're having policies about face masks. They're having policies about this and that and the other thing based on their state, based on their district. And, and they're constantly having to let parents know of these things and, and remind them of tests and checking and COVID vaccines. And there, there's that constant flow of information. But there's also a lot of things that we've done for our customers. So for example, in this past year, we've had a number of customers going back to school, but they needed to have COVID tracing. They needed that when, when a student was exposed to the virus, they needed to figure out through the database who all was exposed to that student so that they could all be quarantined and stay home for a few weeks. Our system was designed to be able to expand to that kind of usage. So a lot of customers use it for that purpose, just basically keep people engaged, whether it be schools or churches or nonprofits or other types of organizations. It's a great tool to keep people engaged. You know, it strikes me that you're sort of at the center of this transformation we've been seeing over the last 14 months or so, right? The technology is being deployed because our work and life and schooling have all changed drastically. We've gone through this time like no other, and both schools and learning have greatly been impacted and have needed to radically shift. Can you tell our listeners how that's impacted you? A little bit more about how the technology is deployed there. Certainly, it's impacted our company because of this the dramatic increase in usage. And this really started last March. We beefed up our servers. We beefed, beefed up our services. We had a day on March 13th of last year where our usage was a thousand percent of our peak usage any days prior to that. And so we, you know, we increased our capacity by on the order of 10 times. And what that's allowed us to do then is, is open up the door for people to do a lot more with our system than they've ever been able to do before. And there are a lot of things that are going to be permanent. One example is meetings. Before the pandemic, very few people really had done video conferencing. They had not done Zooms very much. And suddenly, everybody's become a Zoom expert. Yes. And, <laughs> and one of the challenges, and they're going to continue doing that. It's not like suddenly it's going to stop when the pandemic's over. People are going to keep doing it because it's a new form of communication, a new form of interacting, which is, has a lot of convenience and, a, and can engage a lot more people a lot more easily. And being able to relay the appointments, being able to text and call and let them know, hey, we're doing this Zoom in, in an hour, you know, don't miss it. All, all those ways of engaging customers is part of the process of making sure people show up and people are part of it. And our system is now equipped to be able to announce those things. Another area where people were doing it a little bit and now they're doing a lot more is just the delivery of documents. Until the pandemic, often documents were handed, printed on paper, handed to people. But nowadays, people are so used to receiving them electronically, they have to be secure, they have to be available through other forms. But again, something that we've just totally transformed and provided all sorts of ways to allow people to receive, whether it be report cards or schedules or financial reports, or whatever it might be, receive them electronically, automatically, where in the old, old days they had a, you know, they were being mailed documents or being handed documents. Send reports electronically is very different than it was before. You know, it strikes me that we'll never go back to the way we once were, right? I had Anthony Salcedo from Microsoft on recently as a guest. We talked about this evolution to both working from home or learning from home and learning in the classroom. And it strikes me that we're going to continue to see this. 
Would you have any predictions on what the future state or the new normal will look like? What are schools going to ask for or need from you now more than ever? Well, one thing that, and this is not just schools, but it's all the organizations we work with, is they are involving a lot more people at a lot different levels than before. Just that the breadth of communication, the reaching out, is just it's just at a different pace. And people are re- are used to receiving more text messages, more emails. One thing that that we have seen dramatically increase is the need for two-way communication, the ability to what what is commonly called instant messaging or chatting, to be able to get feedback from the person and and engage with them through typing. Where where it used to be texting, now a two-way communication that's that's more organized is becoming more important. And, and that's one thing that, that we've done is really listen to that and help expand on that because now people are communicating so much through the phones that just texting back and forth is not enough anymore. It's got to be organized. It's got to be in these little interfaces where people can see the whole conversations. They can see what other people are saying. And that is happening at a much faster pace than just about every other type of communication. So what are you doing to solve for that? Well, we, we've recently introduced a solution called Bright Chat. And what Bright Chat does is provides a very organized two-way communication mechanism. It's unique from other IM type solutions because number one, it integrates with your database. So if you're a school or a school district, it already knows what students and what parents are associated with each teacher's classes. And so it sets that connection up. And so the teacher, all they have to do is pick the class and say, I want to talk to parents. And then it just sets up that communication without them having to engage like they have to do with tools like Remind. And on top of that, another very important part of this increased communication is the safety aspects. And and it's really important that the schools and the districts have a way to review what was being said by the teacher, by the parent, by the student, to avoid bullying, to avoid improper, inappropriate language. And our system does a great job of tracking all that and giving the people in charge ultimate visibility of anything that was said. So why do you believe customers choose Bright Arrow over competing solutions? Bright Arrow is unique in that we have a solution that adapts itself to the customer more than the other solutions. If I'm out looking to buy something, usually I have to find the the solution that's closest to my needs, and then I have to adapt to fit to the solution. With Bright Arrow, you reach out to us and you tell us what you want to do and we tend to be able to adapt it to how you need to operate. The second part really is that we're accessible. When somebody runs into a question, how do I do this? Or why is this not doing what I want? They can reach out to us. We have 24-7 support. It's engineers on the phone. It's not just some call center trying to guess as to what to say or put you on long hold. We're, we're taking care of you. And that makes a difference. Every single day, we have customers just saying that the support is the best they've ever had. And it just really motivates us to even work harder. Raymond, as you might know, one of the primary objectives of this podcast is to help organizations optimize for success by successful partnering. And we met while I was working at Blackboard. In fact, you were a rising star partner of the year, the year that we had our partner. We could actually meet in person for our partner conference. Can you explain to our listeners why partnerships are so important to Bright Arrow and what partner relationships do you have? Partnerships really drive our our company because we have a piece of the entire environment. We deliver messages. We we deliver two-way communications, but we don't solve the core problems that the people have. We're the communication tool. So we really strap onto other solutions. If it's a, a, a student information system like the Blackboard Education Management System, 
then what we're doing is we're tapping into the connections, into the database, the phone numbers, the emails, and who's a parent and what classes are there. And we're tapping into all that information. And then we're kind of layering over on top of that an easy way for communication to happen. And that can also be if you're a, a charity or if you're a, a church or a faith organization, we can tap into that data and expand that. So, so it's really important that we then work with the organization that is really storing the data or organizing the data or providing the, this tool. To answer your question, we certainly have partnerships that have student information systems. You know, that could be like Schoolwise or, or BlackBot is, is, is a great partner for us. We have partnerships of organizations that provide apps for schools or other organizations like School Info App. We work with organizations like Link that provide websites for schools. And again, we're, we're supplementing that functionality. Virtually any type of environment where people are getting their job done, they need a way of communicating to their constituents. And Brighterl provides a very nice, effective, broad layer for expanding the solution. So you're tightly coupled with these solutions, right? There's a symbiotic relationship is the way I like to describe it. Yes. Yeah, we definitely are, are expanding the functionality of solutions and providing just a way that people can do more with what that solution provides. So what advice would you have for technology organizations that wish to partner with you and Bright Arrow? We really need to have that initial discussion where we have a brainstorming session where they talk about their vision of where do they want to take their system? Where do they want to expand their environment, their communication? And let's get out of the nuts and bolts of, the, is this feature there or that feature there? And let's talk about where they want to take it. Because we have so many tools in our, in our toolbox and so many that people don't even see. You know, we have a very, very extensive API set. What do they want to see in a year and in five years? And how can we grow to expand to fit that requirement without them having to reinvent the wheels? We've invented a lot of wheels here. And they're going to be able to focus their time on building what they have. But I think looking at the vision first, then the technology second. We're going to provide some links in our show notes for organizations that want to reach out to you, Raymond. The best thing would be to reach out to me directly. My email address is rbiley, R-B-I-L-Y, at brightarrow.com. They can also go to the website or go to our LinkedIn or our Facebook or our Twitter and, and tap into that. Certainly, we're, we're sharing a lot of information that way, and they can reach us through, through those mechanisms too. Great. And we'll provide links to all those in our show notes. That'd be terrific. You know, Raymond, as you might know from listening to other episodes of this podcast, I am fascinated with how leaders got to this particular spot in their life and their career. And you have a really amazing and great story. And I was hoping you could spend some time with us now and share some of that journey that you've been on. It feels to me almost like the journey of the technology sector to me. And tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. Well, it is a, a long story, but I'll, I'll try to cover the highlights here because I've been, been doing this for, for a long time. I, I was in the computer industry before the microcomputer was invented. And I was, I was a, a programmer for the U.S. government with punch cards when I was 14. I remember punch cards. I'm old enough to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was 15 and 16, the very first microcomputer emerged. On, I, was, I grew up in North Carolina. The first microcomputer emerged, and I picked up on that and, and started writing software for it. There was no software written for it at the time. So I, I, I started a company to write software for, for microcomputers when, before there was even, even a spreadsheet invented. Did that for a while. Then I went on to MIT. My thesis was the first microcomputer-based database management system. And again, we know that that industry has grown up quite a bit since then. When I was 
graduating MIT, I also interviewed with a number of companies. And there was one startup company out of Seattle that was interesting to me. And they sent over some representatives into the campus there. A fellow named Steve Ballmer interviewed me first. Another guy named Paul Allen came out and I bonded with, with Paul. He, you know, he was a really smart guy. And we just we talked a lot about bits and bytes. And he brought me out to Microsoft and shared this new company that they were forming there and convinced me to come out and join. Um, and I did that for four years. I started off as as his apprentice, and I took over the language products, brought C into the organization, and then became product manager for their language products. And had a great time, learned a lot of things when they were a small company. And when they went public, I retired at age 25. That's amazing. You know, you, you come into this company, like what employee number were you? They weren't counting yet. So it, <laughs> it would have been less than 50, but I, I don't know the number. They just had one little corner of, of one office in, in Bellevue when I joined. They had just moved from... New Mexico to, yep. to Washington right before I, I joined there. They had just come back up to the Pacific Northwest where Bill grew up and Paul. Yes. That's fascinating. What did you do next? What happened when you retired? Well, I had this dream. I, I've always wanted to start companies because I did that when I was when I was a teenager. And, and I had a dream of starting a company to build music software because that was a technology that was just emerging. I, I took the concept of a MIDI connection that was designed for instruments, and I was the first person to connect an instrument to a computer, allow people to play music on a musical instrument and see the notes appear on the staff and the computer. And I built a company called MidiSoft, took it public. We were the the most successful, at the time, the most successful music software company, and we the second most successful IPO on the stock market the year we took it public and had a great time with that. And that was a long time ago, but I still almost weekly have people who are reach back saying, boy, I, I, I miss that <laughs> products. I still, I still using it, but my old machine died and it doesn't work anymore. Help. <laughs> but it was fun to do. I learned a lot about building companies, you know, having a large number of people and being a public company. And, and then after they were public for a year, it wasn't really that much fun anymore. So I left and I retired and then I started Bright Arrow. And Bright Arrow, the vision with Bright Arrow was that was about the time when voice and computers were processed voice in real time on computers. Until then, computers were just not fast enough. So I brought in my best voice engineers and focused on the voice side of, of the business and became the add-on to the, another emerging technology, which was the IP phone system. That was really the, the genesis of our whole voice communication is that we were at an add-on to those systems. And we learned a lot about how people, how important communication was to people and how our original vision when we started the company was if I want to communicate with somebody, whether it's, it's get a message to them or have a, a two-way live communication with them, I don't want to have to care about what device they're using or whether they're typing or they're speaking or they're thinking or whatever they're doing. I just want to be able to just choose who I want to reach out to and choose what message and whether I want response back from them. And then let my agent, let my avatar take over and kind of handle all those other details, including the, the availability and timing and the prioritization and screening and all those things. And that was the vision to, to really automate all the headache of reaching out because even then telephone tag and people not available and scheduling times was a pain and, and it remains a pain today. But that was where we, we want to see that go away. We want to see that whole, all that all the logistics of communication be put into technology so people just reach out to who they want to, when they want to, how they want to, and the recipient can make their decisions based on who the, the other person is as to whether they want to reach out and what they want to say, what they want to do, and whether they're typing or 
talking or, or thinking or whatever it might be. That's, that's, that was our vision day one. It remains our vision today. You know, we are no longer going to have to worry about whether this person is using this tool or this device or this mechanism or, or this, this language, whatever it might be. Those, those things will be just details that no longer will enter into our thought when we want to reach out to other people. Was there a best piece of advice you received along the journey? You go work for some amazing leaders early in the day and then beyond and start a company. Like, was there one piece of advice that stood out for you during that journey? I would say that the most important piece of advice is don't listen to advice. <laughs> specific specifically listen to it but don't but don't take everybody's advice i mean the, the the idea is everybody has their own perspective everybody has their own experiences they'll filter what you are thinking what you're saying through their experiences and they'll tell you well yeah do that no don't do that do it this way do it that way and it's nice to listen and understand and watch out for these things but you don't have to look at things the same way. And, and you, you can look at it, you can decide whether or not you want to take it. But most importantly, follow your heart, follow your mind, follow your dream, follow what you want to do. I, I think one thing that's, that over, over, over the years I've learned is, is sometimes some of the people who are the best at building organizations and building companies are the ones who don't have a whole lot of baggage, don't have a lot of experience behind them because they don't have all these reasons not to do things. There, there might be a reason to not do something one day, and then a year later, that reason will have gone away. But the person who experienced that reason will not do it. And if you, and if you ask people, too many people advice, they're going to tell you all the reasons not to do things. So the key is, to, is, yeah, listen to them, but just do your own thing. Don't, don't worry about whether somebody tells you it's, it's the wrong direction or don't do this. Just do it. I think I heard you say, follow your heart. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like a great piece of advice itself. So, Raymond, you have a billboard, and this is a metaphor for sort of a summing up of your philosophy for the world. And that billboard could be anywhere. In fact, it could be in Bellevue or Redmond, Washington, where you happen to live, not far from the Microsoft campus. What would that billboard say on it and why? Okay, well, maybe it would say nothing in this world is too big to change or too difficult to fix. Your only limitation is yourself. I like that. I like that. Nothing is too big to change or too difficult to fix. The only limitation is yourself. Is that the way I heard it? Yes. I like that. Is that going to fit? I guess that'll fit on a standard billboard, right? We could have a digital well, readout if we like. Uh, it's, well, it's not too big. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, Raymond, this is a question I love to ask people. It's actually my favorite question. Hopefully we're coming out of, we've all been vaccinated. I know you've been vaccinated. I've been vaccinated and we're coming out of this pandemic and this time like no other. And you have the opportunity to host a dinner party and you can invite any three guests from the past or the present to attend this dinner party. Who would you like to invite and why? Okay. Well, hopefully it's a, it's a long dinner party because who I'm going to invite, I'm going to want to talk with them quite a bit, but I will say I'll pick Isaac Newton Ben Franklin, and Amadeus Mozart. Take us through that. So with Isaac Newton, I, I would love to hear about the initial ideas related to calculus and physics and, and some of the early math and science that, that he was working on. I mean, certainly there were people before him who had a lot of ideas that he built on, but I, I just love to hear that. I, in fact, I remember when I was first started at MIT, 
at the time, there was a professor, George Thomas, who had written the book on calculus that he happened to be a guest lecturer at MIT. He, he had retired. And I, I remember, because I, I knew his book from cover to cover, and, and, I, and I remember talking with him about it and just kind of picking his brain as to how he came up with this approach. And I, and, and I just, it was intriguing. I, I can imagine with, with Isaac Newton, I would just have so many thoughts and ideas and questions. And with Ben Franklin, he just seemed to be somebody who's with a lot of creativity, you know, someone who just thought outside the box all the time. And, and I just would love to pick his brain on, yeah. on, on things that, that he hasn't come up with yet. And, you know, same thing with, with Mozart. He, he was, you know, purely music, but I mean, what he came up with is just amazing. So. Absolutely. I'm a big Ben Franklin fan, having spent a lot of time in the Philadelphia region. And, you know, he had so many great philosophies, not just inventions, but ideas about living and values and things that were sort of out there back in that century. Yes. It'd be, it'd be cool to hear, hear what he thought about what, what we're going through these days, too. Yes, yes. Well, I'd love to stop by that dinner, maybe have a, you know, share a, a cocktail or a glass of wine or maybe a, an appetizer with you during that time. So, <laughs> okay, Vince, well, come well, and join us. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to fly over. I'll have to fly over to the West Coast for that. Well, Raymond, thank you so much. You have been an amazing guest. I'm so delighted to have you as a guest here on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Thank you for joining us Great. today. Well, thank you for inviting me. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzione on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.